Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. That song, My Jesus, My Savior, Lord, There Is None Like You, takes me back. Uh, I don't know if it does for you guys, but uh, that one takes me back to uh, my high school days. Uh, where I first learned that one, so that was really cool, and and uh, I didn't know what the set was, so that was unexpected and, and really neat. Um, anyway, if you don't know me, my name's Dave. I'm the pastor of student and family ministry here at Cochrane and Community Church, and, and it's always a pleasure for me to be here with you. Um, and if you are here in person or, or at home, uh, we are just so glad that you have chosen to join us today. Um, so I've got to ask, have, have you noticed yet um, it's that time of year again, right? And, and let me explain. Um, the temperature in between Tuesday and Wednesday dropped about 15 degrees literally overnight. Um, if you go to a coffee shop, if you go to a restaurant, pumpkin spice, everything is pumpkin spice everywhere, maybe. Um, you can find it anywhere. And, and then the other thing is that the ginormous tree in my front yard started throwing leaves on the ground, which... Uh, yeah, is rude. Um, so it's raking season. Isn't everybody excited? Yeah, me neither. Um, not excited at all about the raking. My tree will, will drop leaves longer than most everybody else's, and it starts earlier, so I've just got a lot of raking to do. But I do like this time of year. Uh, for me, it's, it's football season. Go Panthers. Nobody in for the Panthers. Okay, cool. Um, just me then. Uh, what, what's the teams in here? Steelers, Brantland, Browns. Yeah, 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 those guys. Um, and I know there's other, other teams represented here, so that's fun. Um, it also means marching band season. I've got a couple, couple kids that I love that are in marching band, so that's pretty awesome. We're excited there. Um, and, and for me, I love it because we get, I get to wear my roomier clothes. We'll say roomier clothes, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're very lucky. Um, so when I asked the students in the ministry uh, if they were excited to go back to school, I got the predictable sort of no. Um, But I'm guessing if I asked you guys, that would be different. So if you are a parent in the room, if you are a parent in the room, I'm going to ask right now, we're just going to do an informal survey, who's excited to have your kids back at school? That's fewer than I thought. Okay. Well, I'm in that crowd. I I like when the kids are back in school, Um, but it's probably not for the reason you think. Um, I definitely enjoy, like, when I go home for lunch, it's quiet, it's peaceful, that's nice. When I'm trying to tackle that honey-do list on a Friday when I've got the day off, it's nice to not have to watch kids while I do that. Uh, it lets me get a little bit more done. But what I really like is I like the rhythm, the rhythm of the school year. We at the Taylor Home keep a very full schedule. Um, we are always running from one thing to the next. It, it never really stops for us. And if we're working together, if everything is going right, it's like a well-oiled machine and it's wonderful. But if we get off, it is a train wreck and it is miserable. I'll be the first to admit that we might have 
a little bit too much going on, but at the same time, we really love our kids to try new things, to learn commitment and hard work, and, and to enjoy just watching them succeed. That means a lot of juggling for us, but we, but we enjoy it. And it requires a, a bit different of an approach. So for us, it's, it's more a logistical game, if you will. Um, it's time management and logistics. Uh, I'm pretty sure that when my wife starts looking at the weekly calendar, uh, she's like a general looking at a battle plan, right? She's like intense and focused, and she's, she's got this. And she somehow manages to make sure that we are all where we need to be when we need to be there. And it's an amazing skill that I just don't have, so I've learned that I just kind of salute and do my thing because if I don't, I will mess up the rhythm. It just happens. Um, but we like that school year, even though it adds stuff to us, even though it makes things crazy, it, it also provides us kind of a concrete, stable point that we can kind of work our schedule around. And it, it allows us to find a rhythm, and that allows us to be a little bit more efficient. I think of music when I think of, of rhythm, and I'm sure you guys do too, music or dancing. But when I play in the band, I learned very quickly early on when I was learning to play that you've got to be on the beat. And if you're listening to the drums and you're listening to the bass guitar, that will drive the beat. And if everybody follows that beat, you end up with music. If people don't follow that beat, you end up with noise. And that's not what we want. The, the school year for me is, is kind of like the drumbeat of life. Um, it, it keeps us in our weekly schedule better. It keeps us moving together if we're willing to follow it. Um, without the constraint of school, when it's summertime, we have less going on, but, but there's more freedom, and, and then all of a sudden we fall into chaos. And what I find is I, I much prefer a little bit of constraint with order than a whole lot of freedom with chaos. And I don't think I'm the only one. I, I actually would argue that God is a bigger fan of order than I am. And, and to look at that, we will actually go today to Genesis 1, you know, right back to the beginning, and we're going to take a look at, at God's orderly creation account. So if you'll turn with me, or if you'll look on the screen there... Um, we are going to Genesis 1. If I can open my Bible correctly, I put these little tabs in and they never work. Okay, so Genesis 1, we're going to go through about verse 8. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was morning, or there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the expanse and separated water under the expanse and the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And the rest of the chapter follows that. There's, there's this sort of beautiful repetition that happens in that creation account. It happens over and over. And actually, a lot of scholars tend to think that, that Genesis 1 is written as a liturgy, which is an orderly rite or, or order of worship, a celebration that you do kind of ritually over and over, and it's always very similar or the same. 
And, and we see that sort of happening here in, in the Genesis account. We get this pattern. We get God creates something. He sees that it's good. And then it's evening and morning, day one or day two, and then it goes on to the next day. And there's that really cool repetition that happens. But one thing that's, that's so neat, and I think it's really worth mentioning, is there are a number of scholars who have done some, some work in the Hebrew language, and, and they find that the words for evening and morning, Arab and Boker, um, come from the, same, the root words that mean chaos and order, respectively. Now, that's really cool because we've got this weird thing. It says there was evening and there was morning, day one, and, and so on and so forth. Why evening and morning? We think of morning to evening as a day. Um, and their answer is, is found in that. It's, it's that God takes chaos in the beginning and creates order out of chaos. And I think that's cool. And that shows us that, that God puts order and he puts rhythm into the universe. Think about this for a second. The world completes one revolution every 24 hours. And it takes 365.25 days for the earth to travel all the way around the sun. And the earth is twisted just so off axis that as it travels around the sun, we end up with different seasons. That's pretty amazing. There was chaos and there was order, and God spoke that order into existence. The universe was created to follow a routine. All of creation is part of that rhythmic order. God put himself in the rhythmic order when he created days and he had a routine. And, and he, because we are created in his image, we have this special thing. So if you look at the next three books of the Bible after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and even some in Deuteronomy, God lays out the rhythm of life for the Israelites. There's things that happen during the week. There's a weekly rest. And, and there's things that happen during the year. There's festivals and feasts and celebrations and, and different milestones in the year. There's a rhythm to those. And, and then if you go on, you see that there's a rhythm of years where you have six years of, of work and a year of rest. And then even further than that, there's a 40-year cycle of redemption for the nation of Israel that culminates in what they call the year of Jubilee. And it's really cool to see how those rhythms work. And Solomon, um, which we're told he's the, the wisest man on earth in, in the Bible, he recognizes that too in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 3, he says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. And he goes on for another five verses in that same pattern. There's a time for this and a time for that and back and forth. And, and even though Solomon's conclusion early on in the book is, is that it's futile, it's, it's, it's somehow meaningless, he says, he also recognizes that God has ordained rhythms of life that we experience. God ordained the rhythms of life that we experience. So if God created a universe according that operates according to a particular rhythm, and he ordained the rhythms of human life, then it's probably a good idea for us to pay attention to what our rhythms look like. And it's not just Solomon that says that. It's not just the Bible that says that. 
Um, but it's, it's a, a principle that's apparent even, even to those who are not necessarily working directly with Scripture. Um, so the first couple quotes I want to look at here, these are, these are pretty cool. Um, so John Maxwell, he's a leadership guru, he says this. He says, the secret to your success is found in your daily routine. And there's another gentleman uh, who uh, passed away now, but he's an American philosopher and a historian who says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. Excuse me for just a moment. Now, I realize that these quotes might sound a little cliche, or it may sound like I'm oversimplifying and boiling things down to our routine that maybe aren't. And I would have believed that if not for a friend of mine. I met Cole Edmondson when he was 14 years old. He was a student in my youth group um, back in North Carolina. And uh, I had heard about him a little bit. Hey, you've got to see this kid. He's, he's uh, this amazing guitar player. I went, I listened. I said, yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's all right. He could play all the songs that they were playing in the worship team, and he could play them note for note. And, and he did really well with it. But they were kind of simple songs, and he played them very simply, and, and it was good. If you fast forward a year, I went and I looked at this kid. He's 15 now, and, and, and I said, wow, you, you're getting pretty good. And then another year, and I'm going, okay, how did you do that? You're way beyond what I can do now, um, all in that time. Fast forward to now. It's about eight years later um, since I met Cole, and he's now working in Nashville as a session musician and a professional guitarist. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. And this week I reached out to him, and I asked him, hey, Cole, can you tell me like, how much did you practice during the week? I kind of knew the answer, but I wanted to hear it from him. And he, and he said back, he said, uh, on average, I went for 12 to 15 hours every week. That's two to three hours a day, five days a week. Um, and, then he, and then he said, you know, I, I did the math, and I went, wow, that's between 624 and 780 hours every year, which is a lot. Uh, he also told me that when he missed his practice times, it was because he was doing something related to music in some other way, and he was still learning a lot, um, whether it was playing gigs or working on recording or, or other music skills. Um, and I know, because I talked to him a lot when he was a kid, when he was in youth group, his daily routine consisted of wake up, maybe play a little guitar in the morning, eat, go to school, do homework, and then play guitar. Sleep, repeat. The routine that Cole developed in high school, and he continued through college, allowed him to pursue his dream of, of having a career in music in Nashville, of all places. Um, and his success and excellence, I can tell you, were literally the result of his routine. The difference between a guy like Cole and the rest of us, the difference between Cole and me, is he had this routine that got him practicing every single day. And he became that. See, our routines make us who we are. That's worth saying again. Our routines make us who we are. And Paul tells us that too, kind of. Take Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. His pleasing and perfect will. Wow. That's pretty cool. So Paul's challenge to us is to offer our life. Whoa. My problems. Um, offer our lives to God so we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The way we meet this challenge is our routine. We don't just say, hey, God, I'm yours, and he takes us and, and rips us out of existence and into something different. That's not how it works. When we are transformed, or in order to be transformed, we have to engage with God's word. We have to meditate on the truths of Scripture. We need to spend time with our Savior in prayer. And that takes discipline. That takes routine. See where I'm going with this? That takes routine. But if you do that enough, if you spend enough time doing that, God will transform you. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now it's confession time. I know this. I know I will grow if I spend time with Jesus. And I want to spend time with Jesus. I even mean to spend time with Jesus. And I feel guilty if I don't spend time with Jesus. But there are many times when I fail to do that. Too many times, anyway. And why? I mean, my heart is in the right place. My mind is in the right place. And, and my soul longs for that time with Jesus. But I miss it more often than I should. Why? I get, I get busy. I, I feel overwhelmed. I, I panic because there's a deadline. I say to myself, I'll, I'll finish this project, and then, then I'll go and spend some time with Jesus. But my projects always run long, and, and I always seem to be pushing up against that deadline, and, and time with Jesus ends up on the back burner in my life. I don't know if that story sounds familiar to you or if it's just me, um, but if it does sound familiar, um, maybe you're feeling guilty or a little hopeless, and, and I don't want you to, because you're not the only one that has this trouble. You're not the only one that misses the mark, um, and you're definitely not hopeless. And there's something pretty easy you can do. Are you ready? You can get Jesus into your routine. Don't get Jesus around your routine. Get him in your routine. And this time of year is so cool. I love this time of year for this. It's an opportunity to create or recreate your routines. And you can establish a routine that works for you whatever that looks like. It, it doesn't have to look like my routine, and it probably won't. Um, but you can make it for you. Lauren and I have tried for a number of years to get consistent with family devotional time. And honestly, we've not been great with that. Uh, and, and I think I've realized over the course of this week what the problem was that we had. For, for a number of years, we said, we'll find time in our day we'll find the time. And it'll be different every day, but we'll find it. And I realize that you never find time. Time has, has a funny way of not being able to be found. Um, if you try and find time for Jesus, you're not going not gonna to make it. And, that, and that's the thing. You have to take time. You have to make time. You have to, to create a space. 
So this school year, we decided we were going to do something different. We decided that we're going to wake the kids up 15 minutes early, and we're going to do it in the morning. And, and so we're trying to do it right between some, somewhere in the 7 to 7.15 range. And, and it's worked out so far, but we really have to stick with it. And the reason for that is, is um, what Healthline.com says. And they said, according to a 2009 study published in the European Journal of Social Psychology, it takes 18 to 254 days for a person to form a new habit. The study also concluded that on average it takes 66 days for a new behavior to, come, to become automatic. We've got four days under our belt. We've got some work to do. Um, but we're trying and we're getting there. And that's, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're devoted to doing this thing. So there's no right answer for how you might want to spend time with Jesus. And maybe you do this every day and, and this is something that you don't need. But, but for a lot of us, I think maybe a pattern might help. So I've, I've heard this one before and I've used this one before and it seems to work. It's, it's this thing called 929. All right? It's really, really simple. You do nine minutes of reading the Bible. You do two minutes of prayer or talking to God. And you do nine minutes of writing in your journal. It's a really simple way to do things. It's 20 minutes, um, and it's, it's a way to do what, what we in the church call a quiet time or a devotional time or, or you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, and it's just where you spend time with God. And it's time that will renew your mind. If you take this whole school year and do 20 minutes every day, you will be a different person by the end of the school year. You will be transformed. But 20 minutes a day is one thing. If you, if you really want to get into this thing, if you really want to um, do what the Bible says and take it really seriously, here's, here's the challenge Paul gives us. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. Really? I have enough time, nine minutes, Right? I have enough time, an hour. Continually? There's only one group of people I know who, who do that, and that's monks. And take a look at a monk's daily schedule. I found this interesting, and it was a cool graphic. They, they wake up at 5.40, and they go to church at 6. They eat breakfast, and then they go to church again. And then they have personal study, and then they work for a little bit. And then they take communion, and then they uh, go to lunch, and then... Prayer during the day and work and another church service and more personal study and dinner and then they get to hang out for a minute and then they have another church service and then they go to bed and then they wake up and do it all over again. That's a lot. And I'm not a monk. So that's not going to happen in my life. But that's praying continually. Lucky for us, I think there's another way. Uh, In her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Harrison Warren suggests that our days are meant to be liturgy. And again, liturgy being that repetitive, religious, or, or relational celebration of, of God. And, and she talks about some interesting things. She, she talks about waking up and making the bed and eating leftovers at lunch and sitting in traffic. All these things that can, can be celebrations of God, if we're mindful of them. So she, so she takes this and, and she talks about making the bed. And I, I thought this was a really cool example. See, she says, when I make the bed in the morning, I, I, I take just a little bit of 
of time and I pull those covers up and I straighten them out and I make it look good and I add some order into the chaos. Add some order into the chaos. Does that sound familiar? That's what God did when he created. So so making the bed can be a celebration of of God's creation. And and more than that, it can be a partnership with God that, that I'm taking my little, you know, 10 by 10 spot and I'm joining with God in, in bringing just a little bit of order into an otherwise chaotic world. And that's just one example. I'm not sure what your daily routine is and, and maybe you aren't either. And if that's you right now, if you, if you don't know quite what your daily routine is, be mindful of it. Start thinking about it. You'll find that you have one, maybe. Um, and once you know that you have it, you can start to be mindful and start to change it. Uh, maybe you, you've got that routine already and, and you're at the beginning of a new school year and you're going, man, I could, I could use putting Jesus into my routine. Well, this is a great time to make that change. And right now, we as a church are making a change too, to our rhythm. We're, we're starting a new routine. We've got some new Bible classes getting started. We've got this new small group thing going on and, and it can be a great addition to your routine. It can help you grow firsthand right here. I grew in high school because I was involved in small groups. If you want to grow, if you want to develop a routine that you can share with others, that's a great place to start. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your routine looks like as long as Jesus is in it. If you want to take that next step even further and and start thinking about the things in your life, do that. You'll find places that celebrate God and the normal stuff that you do every day. And then you can celebrate. Let's pray. God, we know that you want to transform us through the renewing of our mind. And we know that you are the God of order and and creation and and God, the God who has routines and and wants to share that with us because they work. God, as we go forward, I, I ask that you would help us to be mindful of what we do every day too look at our routines, to to think about those things and and know that right now is such a wonderful time to change those. It's a new beginning of a school year, God, and and things are fresh and and exciting. So God, help us to to live into that change, to, to make those changes in our lives so that we can start to grow. God, I pray that you would show people that that a change in routine, a simple thing, just a little bit of time with you will transform their life in the best possible way. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week, but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.